The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Sendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. Good morning, everyone. A student once asked Master Kempo, the Buddhas of the Ten Directions have one way to Nirvana. I wonder where this one way is. Kempo held up his stick, drew a line, and said, here it is. Later, the student asked Unman for his instruction on this mondo. Unman held up his fan and said, this fan has jumped up to the 33rd heaven and hit the nose of the deity there. The carp of the Eastern Sea leaps and it rains cats and dogs. Another translation of the student's question is, where does the path begin? The Buddhas of the Ten Directions have one way to Nirvana, or one path to Nirvana. Where does the path begin? So I've been working with this question. Where does the path begin? What is the path? What is your path? What is my path? It seems like a very vital question for all of us. And yet, how do we know? So I, I, I will admit that one of my struggles um, as a Zen student is that I try to answer questions with my thinking mind. My thinking mind has always been my go-to approach in life. I was always a good student. Uh, and in science and engineering, um, success is achieved through your intellect, through reasoning. I love technical discussions at work where we brainstorm about a problem and how to solve it. If someone brings a problem to me, I jump very quickly to possible solutions, sometimes without fully understanding the question. But then I love it when they say, well, did you think about this? And I say, well, no, I didn't. And then we're off to the races, just thinking about how, you know, what are the implications of this problem and how does it, how can we find a solution? But as I relearn uh, time after time, the Zen path cannot be dis discerned by thinking, it can only be answered through intimacy with the questions arising in our lives. The Buddhas of the Ten Directions have one way to Nirvana. I wonder where this one way is. Sitting with this question, one expression of my answer to this koan is, And since we're on Zoom and you may not have been able to fully see me, or if you're listening to the podcast, uh, I just pantomime doing a full prostration. Uh, and if you uh, come to the Zendo um, during our next um, uh, Fusatsu service, uh, you'll experience the uh, doing a full prostration many times. Uh, a full prostration is a physical act. Uh, and in the act of bowing, we drop body and mind. In dropping body and mind, 
as we know from our monthly Pasatsu service, we repent our evil karma. We embody Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. And we vow to save all sentient beings. I wonder where this one way is. Another way of saying dropping body and mind is trusting in the Dharma. In my practice, I'm learning to sit with questions more. I'm learning to stop trying to fix everything. There are things that can't be fixed. This is my path. When I'm working with a koan with my thinking mind, Ryotan Roshi reminds me, you're using the wrong tool for the problem. You can't learn to hit a baseball by thinking about it. You have to swing, it, swing the bat. Similarly, you can't learn to sit by thinking about sitting. You have to just sit. Let the thoughts come and let them go. Let go of a goal or an agenda. Come to realize that I can't learn where my life is going by thinking about it. Looking back, most or, or maybe all of the big decisions in my life just arose naturally out of causes and conditions. I didn't decide at some point that I would live in New Jersey for over 40 years, and yet here I am. Despite my many years of practice, this shift in perspective is actually new to me. I don't know where my life will go, and that's okay. When I'm faced with distressing news, as we were this week with the Supreme Court decision striking down Roe, I realize more easily that we're all swimming in this vast sea of the Dharma. At this moment, with respect to the Supreme Court decision, I'm angry and I'm dismayed. And I, I apologize for using a politically incorrect analogy. I'm angry and dismayed that the Christian Ayatollahs in the Supreme Court are willing to let laws stand that will cause grievous harm to, wisdom, to women in this, in this country. Some women who have miscarriages will be turned into criminals. Some women who are raped will have to bear an unmarried child, an unwanted child. Some healthcare providers will be unwilling to treat women if there's a chance that the care that they provide could be declared criminal under state law. Some women who can't afford to go to another state will either die in a non-medically sanctioned abortion or will have to upend their lives because they have to bear a child that they didn't want and they don't have the means to care for. This is the United States we're living in today. Ironically, I have to say that the thinking mind is one of the causes of the problem. The decision that knocked down Roe was authored by a brilliant mind with very carefully reasoned arguments about original intent 
and star decisis and states' rights. A brilliant mind with not an ounce of wisdom or concern about the implications of his words on the lives of women. So I'm angry. And I think we all have a right to be angry. And yet we're all swimming in the vast sea of the Dharma, bearing witness to this injustice is part of what, what we must do. We will resist, but it's bigger than our thinking mind can possibly contemplate. We vow to fix what can't be fixed. We don't know where this will end. Hongo gave a lovely talk um, a week or two ago. Um, and as he observed um, uh, in his practice, I've also been observing in my practice, the fact that my mind is quieter has allowed me to notice things that I would have missed in my life. I appreciate cleaning up the kitchen or working in the yard um, because I'm not in my head thinking that I should be doing something else. I appreciate taking a walk, although I'm dismayed that it's so hot in, uh, at eight o'clock in the morning. I bear witness to the anger and discomfort in my day-to-day -day life. And as a result of this bearing witness, sometimes I'm able to refrain from needlessly provoking anger or discomfort in others. I more easily express gratitude when I'm grateful. This practice of not knowing naturally opens into kindness and compassion. I recently uh, uh, heard that um, Lenin said that um, Trust is good, control is better. It's another variant of uh, trust but verify, which some of you may remember. I, this attribution of this statement to Lenin may be apocryphal, but in any case, I think the Zen version of this is control is an illusion, trust in the Dharma. I recently read an article about people who hear voices and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not a psychologist, but um, uh, the article said that starting in 1950, uh, when the field of uh, psychopharmacology was created with the synthesis of uh, chlorpromazine for treating schizophrenia, more and more we've tried to fix psychological problems by giving people drugs. And many of these drugs have horrible side effects. And I was just amazed to read that the World Health Organization just issued a very long report suggesting a different path based on listening and understanding and respect for the patient's lived experience. We don't have a lot of data about how this approach works, but from my perspective, it's a transition from the mind of a chemist or perhaps a stockholder in a pharmaceutical company to the mind of a Buddha. We need chemists 
and we need stockholders, but caution is warranted. Korean Zen master Song San asked the question, what is your true job? What is this one way? Song San answered his own question in his beautiful broken English. Only go straight is your true job. Only go straight, don't know. Then everything becomes clear. If you are thinking, 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 then this is not yours. Then everything is just talk, talk, talk. Sky never said, I am blue. Tree never said, I am a tree. American dogs say, bow wow. Koreans dogs say, wong wong. Polish dogs say, how how. Which is correct dog barking? You don't understand? These are just human ideas of a dog barking, not a true dog barking. Your ideas control you. So most important is to take away your ideas. That means don't keep your mind here. If you keep mind, your mind here, your understanding will control you. Other people's ideas will control you. If you keep your mind here, and he indicates uh, the tandan, the area that we breathe into when we're sitting, then your original mind will appear, your love and compassion mind. My talk today was actually inspired by a, a conversation um, with a colleague a couple of weeks ago who I was chatting with uh, at an academic conference, a um, place where there's a lot of thinking mind going on. Um, and she spoke about a manager um, that she had had recently who came in with some fixed ideas and ended up leaving uh, six months later uh, because, because what was needed didn't conform to her ideas. And then she talked about another manager and why she appreciated him. He didn't come in with fixed ideas. He accepted her for who she was and what she could do. He didn't try to make her into something she wasn't. He was humble and open to learning from others around him. My friend said, Chuck, I liked him because he knew what he didn't know. And I smiled and I said, thank you. You've just given me the inspiration for a Dharma talk, knowing what you don't know. So I've wrestled with this question, which is the same question um, that the student asks Master Kempo. Knowing what you don't know can be interpreted in many ways. There's knowing that a topic is complex and you don't know much about it. That's an opportunity to learn. There's also knowing what you can't know, knowing that some things, most things maybe, are not knowable with the thinking mind. That's an opportunity to drop body and mind. Then, having dropped body and mind, there's already knowing what you can't know. It's not knowable, but operating from a place of not knowing 
you know what to do because the Dharma will guide and support you. Of course, I have to admit, a lot of the time, I don't know what I'm talking about. The teacher's responses in uh, Kempo's One Way uh, to the student's question uh, are interesting. Master Kempo's response is, uh, is very playful uh, and yet very grounded. He draws an imaginary line pointing to the absolute and says, oh, here it is. Unman's response is fantastical. He points directly to the relative, the fan that jumps to the 33rd heaven and bops the deity there. And he says, oh, here it is. As our teachers ask, are these answers the same or are they different? Is my path the same as your path or is it different? Our lives may be very different, yet we both walk the Buddha way. Mumon's commentary. The one goes to the bottom of the deep sea and raises a cloud of sand and dust. The other stands on the top of a towering mountain and raises foaming waves to reach the sky. The one holds, the other lets go. And each, using only one hand, sustains the teachings of Zen. What they do is exactly like two children who come running from opposite directions and crash into each other. In the world, there is hardly anyone who has truly awakened. From the absolute point of view, the two great masters do not really know where the way is. I love the last two sentences of this commentary. I find them deeply reassuring. In the world, there is hardly anyone who has truly awakened. From the absolute point of view, the two great masters do not really know where the way is. My doubt is nothing special. My not knowing is knowing what can't be known. Mumon's poem. Before taking a step, you have already arrived. Before moving your tongue, you have finished teaching. Even if at each step you may be ahead of him, know there is still another way up. So the last two lines of this poem are a reference to the ancient Chinese game of Go. I'm told that Go is extremely complex, much more complex than chess. So even if at every step you are ahead of your opponent or behind your opponent, know there is always another way up, another way to win, another path in life. Things will change. You can never get to the bottom of the complexity of this thing called life and death. And yet, before taking a step, you have already arrived. 
Thank you for your practice.